0: Good morning church! It's great to be here with all of you. Uh, it's a treat. I want to thank the Stephensons, the whole staff, the Willises for inviting Michelle and I to be here with you guys. Um, I love this ministry. I've only been here really a few times, and back when I had the Hope hat on and, uh, and, and, and preaching for the poor. Um, so many people in this ministry have been so generous to Hope Worldwide and to helping the poor and have signed up and gone all over the world serving and I'm so grateful for that. But I love you guys. Great to be here uh, this morning. Let me see if my uh, slide thingy works. I don't know if that's the official name. Okay, slide thingy. All right. So first of all, greetings from Metro. All right. It's the Metro region. For those of you who don't know. Uh, my wife and I moved up here, uh, up here being the LA area, uh, about four years ago, almost four years ago, and uh, uh, to really jump in and help out in Metro. Metro was going through a very difficult time. Um, they had gone through a very painful split, division in leadership, uh, difficult times, a lot of dysfunction. And like any church, filled with wonderful, amazing people. And uh, we, we were called, as Steve was talking about being called, we were called to come here and be part of that family. And we've had such a great time at Metro. We have, we have recovered. We have rehealed, healed And we still got a long ways to go, but we're on our way to being a healthy, happy, growing, dynamic church that God has called us to be. So please keep us in your prayers. But I also see that we've contributed here too, Samogi and Sanchez and Padilla. And uh, we got some people here that uh, you guys have kidnapped and taken away from us. And I know you want the keys, but you can't have them, all right? You can't have them. But no, we we obviously share a bond. We are all family. Uh, It's great to be here. Um, I also bring you greetings from the Carrillos. This is Michelle and I's crew, um, our little uh, our little growing clan, our little growing tribe. We're trying to have kids, and, and they're trying to have grandkids and or kids for them and grandkids for us. And you know, our our little our little tribe is growing. You know, that's the Mexican retirement plan: have lots of kids, and then they can take care of you, right? That's the plan. So we're like, come on, have some more babies. Let's go. Let's keep going here. Uh, well, you know, part of us coming here was really uh, God's design uh, because uh, I was able to enroll at Fuller Seminary. And uh, Michelle and I just completed, we just had spiritual birthdays this year. Michelle turned 42 and I turned 40 as Christians. Okay, spiritual birthday, right? Not, not, not years of life. But... Um, and, you know, I've been on a journey, we've been on a journey together of trying to figure things out, how to be a healthy church, how to be a healthy disciple, how to be a strong Christian, how to, how, how to do it right, how to learn from our mistakes, how to grow through the things we've messed up in, how to change as we get, how to be the best leaders we can be, just how to keep growing and build the church that reflects the kingdom of God. And that's, that's a great... Challenge and that's a great uh, learning curve. Let me tell you Um, And I'm I'm just about to finish my doctorate Lord willing. I'll be graduating in March with a doctorate in spirituality and spiritual health Um, But you know we've been at this a long time I mean probably you know a good chunk of this room wasn't even alive 40 years ago, you know probably most of this room um, uh, Steve was just talking about how that song uh, "Men Who Dream." How many of you were there in Boston? I said, I'm looking around; most of the people weren't even alive when this song came out in Boston back in 1989. Whoa! Um, you know, was that, I so appreciate people who've endured through the decades, who keep serving. The other day, uh, last week, I was in uh, New York, actually New Jersey for the ICOC teachers' conference. And I was sitting there waiting for my plane uh, to board. And of course, you know how they, they called for those in active military to please uh, come on board. And you saw some soldiers get up there. And I noticed, I was sitting right by the gate, that when they would check in, they would say, thank you for your service to everybody. And I thought, you know, that's, that's good and right. Because these are men and women who put their lives on the line for us who serve who give and and you know that's that's just God likes that that's God wants us to give honor and respect where it's due. He calls us to this, he calls us to this, and I was thinking you know the uh, because of our role now in the MLC and helping out here, I've been talking to a lot of veterans here. Spiritual veterans. A lot of people who've been here for a very long time. Serving and giving. I'd like everybody who's more than 20 years old in the, let's say more than 15 years old, stand up. More than 15 spiritually. Thank you for your service. I need to look at, everybody else, look at these people and tell them, thank you for your service. I know that sometimes Satan likes to play with our minds and likes to discourage us. But I want to remind you something. God is not unjust. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We don't want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. I think sometimes Satan likes to, you know, make us feel bad about our lives. I think he specializes in that. You know, I think about, if you've been here 15, 20, 30 years, 40 years plus, like us, that's a lot of missions collections. That's a lot of special contributions. That is a lot of sacrificing. That is a lot of times you chose not to buy a bigger TV or a newer car or a new furniture set, and you gave the money to the church or you gave the money to hope, to help somebody that you will never meet, you will maybe never see and maybe never get to hear a thank you from them but you gave anyways and you didn't do it once you did it again and again and again and still you continue doing it God is watching God sees that God acknowledges that Satan likes us to feel terrible about ourselves. Man, you realize all the money you get, by now you could have a bigger, be- more beautiful house. By now you could have 150 square inch TV. By now you could do this and that. But let me tell you something, as somebody who's traveled all over the world and seen many, many of our churches and seen how grateful all those disciples are for your sacrifice, for your faithfulness, for your continued giving again and again. How many lives have been saved? How many families have been saved? How many marriages have been saved? How many people have food to eat, clothes to wear, and a school to go to? Because of your faithful service. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I just wanted to recognize that because I think it's really important. We got to be at least as good as Delta Airlines, right? In giving thanks. So we're gonna jump in to the scriptures here. Um, let's go to God and pray. Father God we are so grateful to you God. You have blessed us in so many ways God. You've blessed us with the health that we enjoy with the family that we have, with the opportunities, living in this country, in this part of the world, with so many blessings, God. And we thank you, God. We know that we have everything we have is because of your love and your generosity, God. Help us now to focus our minds and our hearts on you, to set aside the worries and the distractions of life and to just be with you for the next 30 minutes and listen to your scriptures. To be with you and give you our full attention. Help us to focus our minds and not multitask but to think about you and to think about the words that you've written down that we're going to read and to hear you and to see what you would have us see and to understand what you want us to understand. Please bless our time together now. Bless our Bible study as we study Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, Some of you know uh, that Michelle and I are involved here as well as a number of other leaders basically to help the region, to help OC. We were invited and asked by a number of members. We were invited and asked by the staff to come and help you guys through some difficulties, through some challenges that your church is facing right now. And they're pretty significant challenges. They're pretty intense things. And I understand, and I'm very aware that even this morning I'm speaking to a wide range. There's some people that are, man, everything's awesome, the church is awesome, the leaders are awesome, everything's awesome. What's the problem? And then there are some who are working through hurt who are working through anger, who are working through frustration. There are some who feel hopeless and are trying to hang on, trying to grab on to something. And there are some that feel very hopeful and are excited about the future. And so we're a mixed crowd, and so what do you do when you've got a whole bunch of different people in different places, Well, you focus on Jesus. (laughs) And you focus on God, because God will provide the answer for all of us wherever we are. So this message, and I've been thinking and praying about this for a while. and I've got about 12 messages, but we'll only do one, don't worry, we'll only do one today. God loves His people. God loves us all, warts and all. And He knows us. He knows our strengths, He knows our weaknesses. The title of the sermon today is Uh, What is the title? It didn't come out there. Eyes and Ears. That's the title. That's the title of the sermon. Eyes and Ears. And you'll see what I mean and you'll see why. So Mark chapter 8. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. They just fed the 5,000. Remember that scene? The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked him, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? This is one of those classic scenes in the scriptures. And this is this and this is quintessential example of Mark's gospel. Mark's is the raw gospel. And Mark yeah it's 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 the real gospel. If you like raw and real and authentic, Mark is probably your favorite gospel. And, and I remember I was sitting in a class at Pepperdine when I was getting my my master's divinity there and one of the professors was saying, "Mark is the idiots gospel." I was like, "Whoa, can you say that?" You know. And he says, "Because the apostles were idiots and Mark doesn't hide it at all." I was sitting there thinking, "Dude, you're going to get struck by lightning, <laughs> you know." <laughs> but as I read as I read through Mark, I'm like, "Man, he's right. They're just blown it left and right." I mean, here Jesus sent by God to establish the kingdom of God to help us learn, to help the people of God. He wasn't going to a bunch of non-Christians. He was going to God's people. And it's really important that God's people understand God's will. And so he was trying to teach God's people what they needed to understand about God. He was trying to help them get God. Trying to help them get good religion versus bad religion. Trying to help them get love versus legalism. Trying to help them get faith versus worry and doubt and fear. And so he tells them, be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So we, we all know what the yeast of the Pharisees, hypocrisy making a religion about what's on the outside, about really understanding the nature of God, about understanding the importance of justice, mercy, and faithfulness, all those things that Jesus taught, understanding God's heart. It was a heart lesson. But where were they? Well, oh no, we forgot the bread. That's why he's talking to us about about this. Were they getting it? No, they weren't getting it. They didn't understand what he was talking about. They discussed one another, "It's because we have no bread." Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, "Why are you talking about having no bread?" And 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 notice the way I'm reading it. "Why are you talking about having no bread?" Because I think that's probably the way he said it. It's like, "Come on, guys, wake up. Get it. Understand what's happening here." Understand the lesson I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to get you to see. It says, Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? And ears but fail to see, to, to hear and understand? And this is a big theme in the scriptures. Eyes and ears. Seeing and understanding what God is doing and how He's working. Huge theme in the Scriptures. I mean, he just lays it out. Do you have eyes, but fail to see? And ears, but fail to hear? Sometimes, Jesus would teach them, and then he put them through a situation. And this is actually right in the middle of what's called a pericope, a set of teachings. They're all over the Gospel of Mark. It's when He teaches something, then he does something, and then they talk about it, and it's like a little set to to learn a lesson. So he teaches, and he talks a lot about eyes and ears, and then he goes off and he heals people. And then he challenges them about, do you get it? Do you understand what's happening here? Because it's a big deal. So we keep reading Mark chapter 8. And he tells them, he says, don't you remember when I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Do you still not get this? Do you still not understand what's happening? And it wasn't because they were dumb. It's because sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes it's hard to get it. Wait, what is God doing? Why is this happening? What is He saying? What does He mean by that? And He had tested them. You remember the test? We only got a couple pieces of fish and a couple of loaves. We we need to go down to Rubio's or Baja fish tacos. We got to get a lot more than this. And He said, you feed them. Wait a second, Jesus, come on. What do you, what do you, and I love the fact that he made them go and pick up the leftovers. And there were how many baskets? (laughs) Twelve baskets of leftovers. So everybody had to pick up a basket of leftovers. The lesson of faith. But they still didn't get it. (laughs) They still didn't get it. Because sometimes. It really is hard to understand. Why is this happening? And you need to remember, if you're, you know, if you're in that state, if you're in the group of, everything's awesome, it's great, I love the church, I love everything. What's the problem? Just remember that lesson. Because it'll happen. It'll come around. And the question is always, do you get it? Do you understand what's happening? What about when we're suffering? When we have to carry our cross, when we're going through hardship, when we're being disciplined, do we get it? When we're in a challenging time, when things are tough, when we're in need, when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, when we feel challenged, when people get angry, when people are angry at us, when our wife is angry at us, do we get it? I remember I was talking to her brother. He said, why is she always crying? I said, you know, that's a really good question. Maybe we should think about that one. Why is she crying? Hey, maybe we learned something there. Do we get it? When I'm hurt, when I hurt somebody, do I get it? When my son tells me he's hurt, do I get it? what that means when I'm feeling discouraged or people are discouraged or I see tears do I take the time to make sure I get it that I learn what I need to learn here when there's sadness when there's frustration when we're going through times of testing which is all over scripture right I mean if, if there's anything you see in scriptures lots of tests lots of failures lots of blow it's And lots of grace and lots of mercy and lots of love. And I can't make other people get it, but I gotta make sure I get it. I gotta make sure I get what God is trying to show me, what Jesus is trying to teach me. I'm a leader. I'm I'm held double accountability because what I don't get hurts people. And I gotta get it. And there's changes that leaders have to be able to get. So pray for your leaders. You got to pray for the staff to get it. You got to pray for the MLC to get it. The MLC is sending in a team to help the region. We better get it. I better get it. God's going to hold me accountable to getting it. To seeing and understanding, to hearing, listening, perceiving and understanding. We all have to get it because you know what? Here's the crazy thing: We're all in some position of leadership. Some of us at work, we're leaders. Some of us at home, we're the leader. Some of us, you know, those little people running around eating all your food, you're their leader. <laughs> and are you getting it? Do you understand how to do things the right way? And when you mess up and blow it, do you, are you humble enough to stop, question yourself, and get it. As leaders, right? But all of us, you know, as husbands, husbands, do you get it? Do you get it? I don't know why she's so grouchy. Maybe you ought to find out. Do, do you get it? As, as parents, it's easy to get it when they're little. You just pick them up and take them. But when they start becoming as big as you, and they start questioning you and challenging your authority and questioning your philosophy of life and your philosophy of family oh then we get really challenged do we get it? yeah we, we, we had three kids they're adults now thankfully we're at a pretty cool stage where we just enjoy being together but boy we had some rough years and you know who had to grow the most? Me. Me. People say, oh, we're going to do a class on help you, how to help you deal with teenagers. We're going to do a class to on how to help you deal with your parents. How to help parents get it. Child. Child. Does the child get it? Usually not when they're children, not when they're teens, definitely not. And they begin to get it in their 20s. And then they have kids. And then their kids start challenging them, and then they start to get it. They're like, oh, I guess dad wasn't as stupid as we thought. We're we're, we're moving into that stage where our our kids are, are appreciating us more and more. And we're just enjoying it. But we went through rough times, let me tell you. Rough times. And we had the full spectrum. We're not one of those families where every kid leads a church that baptized a thousand people last week. No, we, we had our ups and downs. We had one kid that became very difficult as a teen, Extremely difficult. I was ready to buy a one-way ticket to Mexico and send her to my family's ranch. <laughs> Say, hey, I'm going to work it out of her. And that kid got it. She's, she's leading, the, her and her husband leading a church now. But boy, was she hard for a while. We had another one that was the compliant kid. Yeah, okay, great. Do this, do that. Yeah, okay, I'll go. Go to that country. Okay, yeah. Sign up for that. Yeah, I'll go. And then she hit a wall. And said, Dad, Mom, I'm out. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do any of this. And she had to work through it. We had to learn. Michelle and I had to learn what love is. And she got it. Still working on her journey, but she got it. She came back to God. And then right after that, our son, who was the superstar in the church, baptizing everybody, organizing everything, inspiring everybody, offered internships everywhere. And he hit a wall. He said, Dad, I'm out. I don't, I don't like this group. You guys are weird. And, uh, and you know what? We have a fantastic relationship with all our kids. And he's still on his journey, which, by the way, we're all still on our journey, right? Not him, not just him, all of us. And he's working it out. But, you know, in every one of those situations, Michelle and I had to get it. We had to learn. And they had to get it, too. They had to come to understand some things. Disciples of Jesus, boy, there's a lot to get. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to discover. There's a lot to challenge. There's a lot of challenges to face. Okay, what, where am I at? How am I dealing with that verse? It's easy to get it when everything's hunky-dory, going great. What happens when you have a conflict with a leader? What happens when your roommate really hurts you? What happens when somebody blows the confidence you had in, tr- in sharing things with them? And you get deeply hurt. Yeah, I've been Christian 40 years. I got more wounds in the church than outside the church. <laughs> So the question is, do I get it? I mean, I've had times where I've said, God, what were you thinking creating a church and putting people to run it? I mean, are you serious? You know us. Why not just send angels to run the church? (laughs) Then if somebody's really bad and and being in trouble, bam, zap them, that's it, they're done. And yet, he's still... Establish the church. And you say, "Well, but the church is not supposed to have these problems." Look at your Bible. Read the read the letters. Every church was full of problems. So there must be some lesson in there. Well, how do I deal with sinful people? Which, by the way, I'm one of them. But it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's not easy. It's hard. I have a lot of compassion. Who people feel when people feel fed up? I I get it. I have a lot of compassion. You want people, some people are like, I, I need to take a break. I just, right, dude, you go do that. Just don't leave the Lord, okay? Just go spend some time with God and, and rebuild your faith and do whatever you got to do to thrive spiritually. But meanwhile, I'm going to do everything I can to help the church get it and make the changes that it needs to make. So we keep reading. Let's keep reading. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Normally he never asked this, but he did this time. Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I, for years, I was what happened there? Was Jesus having a bad day? Was he, was he like running on low or running on empty? He didn't recharge his battery that morning? Maybe he didn't have a quiet time that morning, you know? What, what, what happened that it took a second touch? But as I've gotten older in the faith, I've realized, you know sometimes you just don't see it the first time. Sometimes it takes a little more Jesus. Sometimes it takes a second touch. Maybe a third, maybe a fourth, maybe a fifth before we begin to see things clearly. Clearly. It's hard at first. It's not easy. Obviously, it wasn't that Jesus was weak that day or running low on power. Jesus had the power and, you, and you just, even the fact that he asked him, what do you see? So Jesus knew exactly what was happening. He knew, we're not all gonna get it the first time. It's gonna take a while. It's, it's gonna take some second, maybe third touches, maybe fourth touches. and Some of us will get it quicker than others. And some of us won't get it to the last minute. And it's hard because when we get it quickly, we want everybody else to get it. Hey you, get it. I got it. What's your problem? It's how we are, right? It's how we are. Let's keep reading. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. This is one of those very powerful moments. Very powerful moment. And the interesting thing is, part, Mark only tells us a little bit of it. If you want to know more about what happened, you, you, you got to go to Matthew. He's got more details. Matthew generally puts more details in there. Some really important details here. So they go to Caesarea Philippi. He says, who who do they say I am? And he says, what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter. We're talking about Peter. You guys know Peter, right? You saw the Chosen. You know who Peter is. He's, He's not always the first to get it. He's not necessarily the sharpest tool in the shed. But this time, he got it. He said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I, I bet Jesus took a double take, he probably like, Peter, whoa, you had a good quiet time this morning. He replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was and I love even that he doesn't call him Peter this time, he, he, he's, he calls him Simon again. For this was not revealed to you by my flesh. He's about to give him the name. But, so he says, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. It wasn't your human effort. But by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He says, you're Peter and you're going to be the first Pope. No, he didn't say that. He said, on this rock, what rock? That Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the Savior. But, hey, it was a very encouraging moment for Peter. It was a very encouraging moment. He says, you know what? You got this from God. You got it from God. And that's where we all get it from. From God. If we take the time to listen if the t- we take the time to look and to perceive, if we put our effort into understanding and don't assume we got it already, and don't assume we understand everything, and don't assume we're, we're, we're okay, but keep that open, hungry heart no matter what we may think is going on. He got it. Yay, Peter. Yay, Peter. It says, you, the Messiah, Jesus replied, it wasn't by human flesh you figured this out. God told you this and you were listening. In verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. He's trying to get them to understand how this is all going to work. He says, you must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then he he must be killed, and on the third day he'd be raised to life. He's explaining the whole plan. We always want to know, what's the plan? And Jesus is explaining the plan. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Uh Uh-oh. Very dangerous trying to disciple Jesus. Then Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Whoa. I don't know how you would feel if Jesus told you that. I think I would just drop dead right there. If Jesus called me Satan. Satan. I mean, man, he just got the biggest compliment. He just got held up in front of everybody. What a great job. What a great victory. And then he blows it. But it's an understandable blow it. He loves Jesus. He's like, Jesus, that can't happen to you. I'm not going to let that happen to you. And, and, you know, Peter's a fairly emotional guy. No way. We'll fight to the end. You remember, Peter's the one that cut the guy's ear off, right? Instead of thinking, is this God's will? And what is God doing here? What is God showing me? That's a very important question. And he says, you do not have in mind the things of God but merely human concerns. You're thinking like a human. Which is natural, right? Aren't we humans? But we're called to think like God. To see things from His perspective. That's what getting it is. That's the challenge for every one of us. I'm not preaching at a group or at a person or a a few people. I'm preaching at all of us. Because this is all of our challenge to not give in to our human emotion. Do not act like humans. Act like godly people. Handle things the way God would handle. I mean, they... It was hard, guys. It was hard. Poor Peter. It was tough. Walking around with Jesus and getting it. Remember when, they, when, they, when, when he was washing feet and Peter was like, No, Lord, don't wash my feet! Yeah. And Jesus said, then I have no part with you. Oh, in that case, wash me the whole thing. Give me a full car wash. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's, sometimes it's hard to get it. And I don't think Peter had a bad heart. I think Peter was like, Oh, I don't deserve to have you wash my feet, Jesus. So you can't do that. And Peter's like, there you go. And Jesus like, there you go again. Thinking like a human. Think like God. Dying with Jesus. Oh, you're not going to die, Jesus. We're going to all die with you. And then he denies them three times. So I don't know the guy. Never met that dude. Three times. And Peter, he doesn't have a bad heart, he's he's pretty ashamed. And Jesus has to come and restore him. Bring him back in because Peter was feeling pretty lousy. Because it takes him so long. Sometimes it's frustrating not getting it. And you know Peter bless his heart he gets to stand up and do the Acts 2 sermon, right? In the last days, quoting Joel and the, my spirit we pour out on all people, all nations, in other words, not just Jews. Men and women, not just males, young and old, not just male Jews over 30. Everybody. Everybody. He opens the door, the universal gospel, the the talk about um diversity. I mean, this is, this is, Jesus was the original diversity guy. Just bringing everybody, unleashing the Holy Spirit on everybody. You don't have to be a male Jew over 30. You can be from any background. Oh, what an incredible message. Gee, Peter preached that message and then wouldn't go in the house of a Gentile. Jesus told them, you will preach the gospel in Jerusalem, in in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Go take this gospel and make disciples of what? All nations, pantata ethne, where we get the word ethnicity. To all people from every race and background. What did the apostles do? They all hung out in Jerusalem. It took God sending a persecution to get them out of Jerusalem. And then even then it says everybody went, except the leaders. Like what the? Still not getting it. And God had to send visions. You know the whole thing with the animals coming down on the sheet and all that, just to get Peter to get it. To understand, dude, this is for everybody. And, and Peter is not a bad guy. He's a good guy. Just took him a while. All of us, it takes us a while. And some things we get really fast and other things, it takes us a while, and the whole world is waiting for us all to get it, to be the church that Jesus died for, right? Getting it is very serious. It's not, I mean, I say some jokes about it because sometimes we've got to laugh at ourselves, but. Jesus said, whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise... They might see with their ears, hear with their ears, see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts. That heal them. This is his promise. This is his promise. But Jesus quoted this because he knew a lot of people are not going to get it. And you know, you know how many disciples he had at the end of three-year ministry. One hundred twenty. One hundred twenty. It's difficult to get it. It's, it's challenging to get it. It's easy to miss it. And a key to this is, is listening, paying close attention. What is God saying? What is the scripture telling me? How different am I? I mean, 46 times in, Reve- in the book of Revelation, he talks about hearing, listening. 75 times in the Gospels, Jesus talks about listening. Listen up. The classic prayer. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. It's the prayer that every Orthodox Jew prays every day. Jews probably pray, pray it every day. What's it say? Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is God and He is one. It's the command. Listen up, people. That's the command. We've got to pay attention. 492 times the New Testament references. Okay, just footnote. I didn't check them all, I saw this on a Bible study website, so I'll check them. When I get time, I'll check them, make sure they're all really there. But the point is, there's a lot. But we keep reading in that very same scripture. Matthew thirteen sixteen. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. We have the Gospels. We have Jesus to listen to, to read. And we, among the millions of disciples of Jesus, that have lived throughout history, are so blessed. You know, people have only had Bibles for about the last 150 years, maybe maybe 200 years. They had to memorize scriptures. They had to look at the pictures on the church walls to figure out what the message was. And we're so blessed. We have it, nice little leather around or fake leather around books, audio, video. We got series to watch, chosen. We have many ways to hear and see, but the question is, are we hearing and seeing? You know, somebody sat at Kodak how many of you guys remember Kodak, Kodak Company? All the old people, we all remember Kodak. Man, there was a time that anything you want to do with pictures was Kodak. You had to go to a Kodak place to get it printed, to get it developed. You had, there were Kodak pictures. Your pictures in the back said Kodak all over it. And the, you know, people had Kodak camera. I mean, they were, just, they were talk about a monopoly. They just, they controlled everything. But one day at some meeting, and I'm surmising here, but at some meeting somebody said, you know there's this new thing called digital media I think we should get involved in that and some leader said, nah, it'll never take ground, it'll never take hold and they lost they lost out, they pretty much disappeared because they didn't get it, they didn't get it remember Blockbuster? If you wanted to see a movie you had to go to Blockbuster and at some point Somebody in a meeting said, hey, there's this little group called Netflix and they're putting these red boxes out. Do you think we should do that? And somebody said, nah, it'll never take hold. Netflix is a blip on the screen. They'll be gone. How many of us have Netflix on our TVs? Yeah. How many of us have been to a blockbuster in the last five years? (laughs) Yeah. no. (laughs) You all went, nope. Mm -mm." (laughs) Because they didn't get it. They they didn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't realize. And let me tell you something. I actually started out, before I started spirituality, I was working on a PhD in in, uh, organizational leadership. And as I was studying this, I, I, I came across this one article. that talked about how the worst groups to change, guess what groups they are? Churches. Churches. Other organisms, I mean in the corporate world, they get it because look, if we don't change in time, then we lose out and we 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 lose everything. And everybody likes to laugh about blockbuster and Kodak, and nobody wants to be the next Blockbuster or Kodak. And they're trying to keep up and trying to make changes as needed. But churches, it's really hard. They're the worst at making changes that need to happen. But there's good reasons. There's the fact that we don't want to make the wrong changes. In other words, we don't want to give in to social pressure. We want to make sure we're following scripture. We want to make sure we're doing what the Bible says, not what people are telling us we should be doing. And that's a good instinct. That's a right instinct. Plenty of scriptures about that. In the last days, there'll be terrible times and it describes basically what's happening in our world right now. And that's a good instinct. You got to be careful the second one is we confuse doctrine and culture. And we don't know the difference between what is right because the scripture says it and what is right because that's how we've always done it. And it worked in the past, why wouldn't it work now? And learning to get it with God, with the Holy Spirit, eyes fixed on Jesus, Mind on things of above. That's how we're going to get it. That's how we can get it. That's how we can navigate all these challenges of influences and and teachings and every wind of teaching and yet respond appropriately to the wrongs in the world, the wrongs in the church. Deal with those wrongs the way Jesus would deal with them. I'm not saying put our heads in the sand and pretend there's no problems. No, deal with it. Because we live in the light, right? Because we live, at least we're trying to live honest lives. Churches don't get it all the time. Ephesus. Jesus said, whoever has ears let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Smyrna, whoever has ears let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Pergamum, whoever has ears let him, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thyatira, whoever has ears let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea with all of these churches. Oh, the Spirit warned them and you know the scary, the scary thing in there. says, if you don't get it, I'm going to take your lampstand away. And that represented the Spirit of God. We got to make sure we all get it. This is why I went to, to Pepperdine for seven years, driving up for seven years from San Diego. To try to learn, to try to get it. So I met Fuller why a lot of us are digging in, reading our scriptures, and and praying about this, and trying to figure out, what does the church need to change? Let me tell you something, all churches of all denominations are going through it right now, going through very challenging times. Some of the Barna and different groups that have studied what's happening in the religious world, in the Christian world, so 30% of church members stopped going during the pandemic, and a lot of those people aren't coming back. And many, many, many churches are shrinking dramatically. It's not just us. We like to think we're so special, but we are special because Jesus loves us, but we're not special because we're better than anybody else. So when we got the right doctrine and baptism, amen. Let's share about baptism, but there are other people out there that have incredible faith and love God deeply. Let's learn from them. I like Jesus' definition. Whoever does my Father's will is my mother, brother, and sister. And they're all, we got to pray for each other. Because everybody's struggling. Christianity is struggling right now. And I think it's great. Because it's making, making us question ourselves. You know, the Hollywood paints us as being this legalistic, self-righteous, condemning, judgmental people. Stephen King has really got something against Christianity. Every bad guy in his movie is some Christian. I know that's not who I am. But I do know I have that in me. And I got to watch it. And I got to crucify it. Because I know I can be judgmental. My kids showed me that. They're like, Dad, it's in your eyes. Dad, it's in your voice. You're judging me. And I have to learn to not be that guy. But entire churches have to figure that out. And guess what? You guys are in a challenge as a church. You got to figure out some things. You got to grow. And, but Jesus is here. It's hard. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate. And narrow the road that leads to life and only... How many? A few find it. That's a scary scripture. That's a scary one. I mean, I'm dying to ask Jesus, what, okay, what do you mean by few? Are we talking a handful? Are we talking a couple of million? Are we talking about one billion out of eight billion? What is a few exactly? And you know, I know what Jesus said. You don't need to worry about it. You need to make sure that you are doing what you need to be doing. You don't need to be judging other people's faith. You don't need to be judging the Lord's servants. Check your own heart. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not your neighbor's. Love your neighbor. Be an example of God to your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Well, in case there's any doubt, how about your enemies? Love your neighbors too. You love your enemies too. Oh, do I really have to love him? That guy's a jerk. Yeah, you really got to love him. That brother doesn't get it. Probably going to need some more love. Probably going to have to be like Jesus to help him get it. Leaders must get it. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the MLC. Pray for your staff. Pray for the elders. Pray for your Bible talk leaders. They have to get it. They don't get it. People get hurt. So pray for us. And remember, you're a leader too. <laughs> you're a leader at home. You're a leader with your family. And some, many of you have other leadership roles. Spouses must get it. Parents must get it. Disciples must get it. Followers must get it. And everyone is a leader, and everyone is a follower as well. What do we gotta get? We gotta get humility, real humility be able to face where we blow it, be able to understand our blind spots, allow that to humble us, realize how much we need each other, how much, first of all, how much we need God, how much we need each other, how much we all need help. We need radical honesty. I won't see my issues if I'm not honest. I won't recognize where I need help if I'm not honest. Got to be honest. Forgiveness, oh man, does this require a lot of forgiveness. God does not treat us according to our sins. Thank God. He continually forgives. He's very gracious. He's very merciful. And he always gives people time to change. And in my opinion, oftentimes I feel like it's too much time. That brother should have got it by now. That's just your, it's overdue for getting it. But it's usually, that's, very subjective. God knows hearts. God knows. And we have to practice compassion. It's the only way we're going to get there. You know, in any organization, an organizational truism, any group you join, you join a car club, join a, a crew team, join whatever. It always starts out wonderful, woo, awesome, everything's great. And then you start having conflicts. And then you see problems with people. And then you don't like the way this happens. And then that's the real test of love and faith. Then it it kicks in. Man, I thought everybody walked on water when I joined the church. Then I saw people sinking. And then I saw people sinful. Even leaders sinful. And It's like, whoa, wait. This isn't what I thought I was joining. Actually it is. It's the real church. Again, look at our Bibles, right? It's, the only way this works is with a lot of love and compassion. And a lot of mercy and forgiveness. It takes a lot of authentic spirituality to be able to discover the kingdom of God and to live in that. No rock throwing. It's so tempting, isn't it? Especially when somebody throws a rock at you, you just want to pick one up and throw it right back. I remember me and my friends and everybody got in this big field and we'd have rock fights. It's the kind of stupid thing boys do, you know. And then somebody would get hit and have to go get stitches. And, and our parents were like, what were you thinking? But we do that. When people attack us and hurt us, we want to pick up a rock and throw it right at them. Jesus said, let him who's without sin throw the first rock. And that's the upside down kingdom. No judging. No judging. Whoa, that's a really hard one. Guys, we have judgmentalism deep in our DNA. And we're not going to detox that in one decision. But by practicing and practicing. I remember one of my kids when he was, well, I gave away who it is. He, he, he said, I hate that region. It was another region. I was like, dude, why? He goes, because they're so judgmental and self-righteous. And I said, Wow. So you just decided everybody in that region is judgmental and self-right. Well, that's quite a judgment you got there. (laughs) And he was like, all right, Dad. (laughs) But we do that. We do that. I would never do that. How do you know? Have you walked a mile in his moccasins? Have you lived in her house? And, and, And the worst is when leaders are judgmental because their judgment is accepted as the truth. And we've got to be really careful. No defensiveness. No defensiveness. Oh, that's a hard one. Boy, I have, I have wrestled and ride on the floor like a demon-possessed dude with that one. Wanting to defend myself. But is understand, I serve, I sacrifice, I give. You know how much I've done for the church? Because I made one little mistake, now you're crucifying me? And that's all perspective, right? Instead of just trusting God. What does he say? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. What does it say? He will make your righteousness shine like the noonday sun. Even though you're not really righteous, but you're trying. He'll make you shine. He'll help you out. No self-righteousness. Those people, that leader, that Bible talk, that brother, that sister, you see how sinful she is? Yeah, but so does God. And Jesus died on a cross for her. So I take the warning serious. Who are you to judge the Lord's servant? So, well, so what's the answer? Well, we got to really love each other. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Because you don't have the things of God in mind. So what do we got to do? Have the things of God in mind. God can get us through this. God can help anybody change. And here's my experience. If they don't change, God takes them out. I've seen it. Again and again. Have in mind the concerns of God. Merely human concerns. Not merely human concerns. And have the prayer. May your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So many times I want to say, no, I want it this way. I think it should be like this. I think the church should do this. Why do we sing that? Why did they change that song? I love that song the way it was. And we have sometimes too many opinions. And we have to remember to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we're going to have to keep seeking the kingdom of God first. Priority. And there are many important... There, there are serious things we've got to deal with. I'm not trying to lighten those up. There are serious things. There are hearts involved. But we must do it spiritually. Not all churches survive these kind of changes. Some of them self-destruct. It depends on how many godly people are in the room. It depends on how many people love God more than themselves who are willing to do things God's way, even when it hurts, even when it's so difficult, but to do it the way Jesus would do it, and keep our eyes fixed on Him. In this world, He said, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He did it. He overcame. Sometimes, you know, I remember one time I thought, this is not fair. Jesus never came to church. Do you realize he ascended into heaven before the church even started? Like, why did he come to church? Why couldn't we watch how he handled the church? Oh no, he had to leave. Actually, he answered that question. He said, it's better for me to leave so I can send you the Holy Spirit. Because I can only be in one place at one time with a few people. But the Holy Spirit can be with everybody all the time, everywhere can be with you. So did Jesus have a solution? Absolutely. But we need to hear the Spirit. We need to see what the Spirit is telling us. We need to listen and see, hear and understand, seek first God's kingdom, and do God's will. We need to get Jesus. I want to close out with this. You know, in in Metro, we went through a really difficult time, really painful time. A lot of division, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger. It was was rough, and these, these guys would know. They were there. They were just kids, but they were watching it. It was tough. So we had to deal with all that stuff. We had to get real. We had to get honest. We had to face things. We had to work through it. We had to do it in a godly way. And as we dealt with the elephants in the room, went after the sacred cows, restored relationships, reconciled conflicts. We sat down, we wrote a vision for who we want to be, and this was our vision of who the Metro Church will be. We're not there yet, but who we're going to be. A church in love with God, led by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, where leadership is humble, spiritual, and strong. A church with great worship, where the members all walk with God and are driven by faith and unified by purpose, where mutual respect permeates the fellowship as we help each other get to heaven, where love is supreme and easily seen, felt, and experienced, a church where personal conviction is high and grace is abundant, where renewal and formation is constant and conflicts are resolved spiritually, a church where everyone serves, gives generously, and is fruitful, a church that has a great kingdom kids ministry giving all children hope, a church where there's great dating, great Great Teens, Great Kingdom Kids Ministry, Great Campus, Great Singles Ministry, where marriages and families can thrive and shine. A church that serves the community and takes care of each other, having no needy among ourselves. A church where our children become Christians and feel proud of this family. A church with strong women's and men's ministries. A church that continually raises up new, young, and older leaders, and is able to send out trained leaders to start new churches and new ministries. A church that welcomes everybody from every race and ethnicity and background. A church that is family, abundant in faith, fruit and fun. That's the church Jesus, Jesus died for. That's the church we signed up for, isn't it? That's the church we keep giving for and sacrificing. That's the church why we're here, but you know what? It doesn't just happen. We're not there yet in Metro. But we're on our way. We're marching along. and We're pretty excited about it. But we had to go through some pretty t- painful stuff to get there. So, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's seek the kingdom first. Let's be rich in grace and mercy. Let's love each other, even our enemies. And we'll get through this. Can't fix everybody else, but I can fix what I'm doing. I can fix my eyes on Jesus. God bless you all. Oh. I think we really, really need to fix our eyes on Jesus. I brought a couple of books that I think will help us, that I want to recommend. I know some of these you guys have already read. But this one, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, it's actually a really easy read. It looks thick and ominous, but it, it's actually an easy book to read. And, and there's no hidden agenda here. It's not so that we can set up everybody to think a certain way other than just fix your eyes on Jesus. And it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And then the other one is Life with God. And this one's deeper, richer, And you'll have to move slower through this, but boy, is it powerful for helping us focus on God and on Jesus. Life with God by Richard Foster. God bless you all.